0: Welcome to Tabi Tabi Pod. I am your host Ethan, and this is a bi-weekly podcast about Philippine folklore, mysteries, paranormal stories, and maybe some foreign myths. Hello there, and welcome back to the Kalags who have stuck around since the beginning. Hope you are doing great! Hello if you are a new listener, and welcome to the podcast. Thanks for taking the time to listen, and I hope you enjoy your stay. As usual, today's episode is brought to you by The Aswang Project. The Eswang Project is an educational resource that shares the rich and diverse cultures of the Philippines. Some information about today's creature and topic came from the Eswang Project. And recently, they finished their new book titled, Ferdinand Blumentritt's Diccionario Mythologico. This edition includes 19 illustrations, 59 historical photographs, Blumentritt's ethnographic map, and Blumentritt's Philippine tribes and languages. According to the prologue of the book, the purpose of this dictionary is to put together the religious groups of the Philippines and removing those of Christian or Mohammedan origins. This work will provide an opportunity to make comparative studies and give an idea of the wealth of names that are in the mythologies of this country. So if you're interested, go to their website at www.aswangproject.com to order the book or read more Philippine folklore and stories. Thanks again, Jordan, for sponsoring today's episode. Fun fact, Jordan actually gave me the books that I now use as reference for my research for this podcast, so I am very, very thankful to him. So once again, go visit www.aswangproject.com for more Philippine stories and to order the book. Now time for Patreon shoutouts. So a huge thank you to the Kalags Under the Multu tier, Shout out to Stephanie E, Terence C, Jordan, Alyssa, and the newest Multo patron, Jen G. Thank you guys so so much. For the Tao tier, a huge thanks and shout out to Veronica R, Lee, and lastly, to Michelle G for being the newest Tao patron. Thank you so much. Thank you guys so so much for the support, it really means a lot to me. It helps me a lot financially, and because of you guys, I was able to upgrade my microphone, because the old one was no longer working. Anyway, I hope you enjoy the early access and bonus episodes. So hey, if you want to become a multo or tao patron to support the podcast, head over to patreon.com slash tabitabipod and check out the tier that fits your interest. Today is part 1 of the S Wang series this is going to be in two parts i've put this topic off for a while because i was afraid that i can't deliver it in a way that is interesting and informative flipping through the pages of the books i have in my possession i came across a creature that would be the reason why i'm going to finally talk about the swang so let's begin according to legends the Eswang goes out at night, looking for little infants or unborn fetuses to consume. They like to eat children's livers and hearts, and depending on the legend, they can also shape shift into an eagle, a boar, a cat, or a dog. Some of them are so small that they can hide under a bamboo post. Some of the information for today's topic comes from Maximo Dumlao book, Creatures of Philippine Lower Mythology. Mr. Ramos was a teacher, editor, and writer who was born on November 18, 1910. The University of the Philippines first released this in 1971 as a thesis. In 1965, it was submitted for revision as a book, which I am using as a reference. According to Maximo Di Ramos, Aswang is considered as a generic term for several Filipino supernatural beings. These creatures are divided into five categories. The first one we have is a vampire. According to the book, the Aswang has a vampire-like characteristics. Probably because, like vampires, this creature enjoys sucking human blood. Instead of biting its victim's neck though, the Aswang uses its long proboscis-like tongue to suck the blood from its prey. The Mandurugo is a nice example of an Aswang with a vampiric-like characteristic. They can socialize with other people and even marry one of them so that they can feed on their husbands. The Mandurugo is almost always portrayed as a woman who can either use her husband for an easy meal or still go out at night to hunt. I've already talked about this creature in previous episodes so you can just listen to it. Next, we have the viscera suckers. A viscera sucker is a creature that feeds on the body's internal organs. The Mananangal is an example of an aswang in this category who enjoy sucking the organs of their prey. Pregnant or ill people are their most common victims. Then there are the weredogs. Maximo Ramos classified some of the aswangs as weredogs even though they do not invariably shift into dogs. We don't have wolves in the Philippines, so I believe Sir Ramos used the term were-dogs to help him organize the monsters and to make a comparison to Western creatures. So because the Aswang are reported to shift or shapeshift into black dogs, pigs, or cats in traditional legends, I can only think of one example for an Aswang in this category, and that's the Kiwig. It has the appearance of a human by day but may morph into a dog, a wild hog, or a huge cat. It enters homes and bites the resident's neck before devouring them. The goal is the fourth category. This type of Aswang loves to eat the human corpse. Because they devour dead bodies, they emit a horrible odor. Their nails are so sharp and strong that it makes it easier for them to steal and eat the corpse. I'm not sure if this creature is classified as an Aswang but I could only think of Balbal as an example for this category since they are also fond of fresh corpses. In the last category, we have the Aswang as a Witch. This confused me at first because a witch as I thought was an ordinary human who just doubles in black magic. At least that's what I initially understood. Aswang Project on their Facebook page said this. So why is the Aswang classified as a witch? Mainly because they are thought to be similar to ordinary human beings and then transform themselves by some form of magic spell or oil concoction. This transformation most likely refers to what they do before they go hunt for the night, which will be discussed later. The Mangkukulam, hokluban, and Mambabarang are examples of Aswangs in this category. Aswangs can reside in the forest, in communities among humans or even in the cities. It's very popular in places like Capiz, Iloilo, Negros, Bohol, Masbate, Aklan and Antique in Western Visayas. Because its powers are thought to be greatly reduced during the day, an aswang is mostly active at night. It is believed that an aswang or witch is unable to look another person in the eyes directly. Old folks told me, as a kid, not to talk about swang on Tuesdays or Fridays. They are supposed to be able to hear or listen in our conversations, as well as track our whereabouts and target us. And Aswang has a helper, which I like to refer as their little aids. They appear as a huge bird, such as the tik tick We call them wak-wak or kikik here in Bicol. When you hear the sound wak-wak or kikik, it signals an aswang is approaching. When you hear the kikik sound getting near, that means the aswang is still far away. But if the tick tick sounds gets quieter and quieter, that means the aswang is near. Now I mentioned earlier that some of the aswangs are fond of eating freshly deceased bodies, right? Well, they may even use doppelgangers created from tree trunks or other plant materials to replace real victims or stolen cadavers from a wake. There are also situations where they apparently kidnap a person and replace them with a doppelganger. If a doppelganger is used to replace a real person, the doppelganger will return to the person's house, become unwell, and die fast. However, have you ever wondered how the S1 came to be? What is its precise origin, or how was it created? During my research, I came across a creature that seemed to answer my question. I also found a few theories about this, but the exact explanation of how the Aswang was created remains unknown. Now, the creature that I'm talking about is the Danag or Danag from the Isnag legend. Apologies for the mispronunciation, if ever. Side note, the Isnag people are an Austronesian ethnic group native to Apayao province in the Philippines Cordillera Administrative Region or CAR. Their native language is Isneg or also called Isnag. Although most Isnag also speaks Ilocano. This creature is supposed to be as old as the islands themselves and it is described as Philippine island vampires. I believe the island they are referring to is an island located in the province of Apayao, but I don't know the exact location of it. You might be wondering why the Danag is referred to as an Eswang although it is described as a Philippine vampire. Reminder, an aswang can have a vampiric feature or qualities, like what I've mentioned earlier. The Danag is also classified as an Eswang in Edgar Summer's book, Mga Nakagilas-gilas. The Danag was originally a god, according to the book, and they live in the sky or sky world where gods live. They came down to earth one day to assist mankind in planting taro root and clearing fields for their human neighbors. They were even credited with cultivating the taro plant for the first time. However, a woman cut her finger by accident one day, causing blood to flow from the wound. Knowing how important it was to keep the wound clean, a Danag offered to suck the blood from the wound. As it did so, it recognized how good human blood tasted, and proceeded to suck until the human girl was completely drained. The Danag stopped farming after discovering the secret and instead hunted humans at night. The Danag even told a handful of his kin who began hunting people and drinking their blood. As time passed, they evolved into Aswangs to survive by obviously consuming human blood. This creature piqued my curiosity since it somehow explained how an Aswang came to be. The notion that the creature was a god first in the snug Nag folktales was new to me, or so I believed. I completely forgot that we have a god named Aswang in Bikol, and it is spelled as A-S-U-A-N-G, Aswang. Now, I don't know why his name was Aswang, but according to the research of May Antoinette S. Imran titled Arimbai's Verbal Lore An Anthology of Folk Tales, many of the beliefs of the ancient Bekals were recorded by early historians. However, I couldn't find the exact article to support my research. But what I do know is that in Bikol folklore, Aswang was a wicked god of Ibalong. He was the lord of all monsters and wicked creatures. He had two lovely daughters, Oriol, who was half serpent from the waist down, and Bagindara, who was half eel from the waist down. He was the lord of all creatures, and he also bestowed his abilities on mortal men and women. Black birds flew from his lips and into the mouths of his devotees, granting them the ability to morph into animals of the night to prey on humanity. In other accounts, Aswang also delivered black eggs to mortals to devour, granting them strength and transforming them into Aswangs. This immediately reminded me of the popular belief that if an Aswang or a dying Aswang wants to pass its powers on to you, you should accept it. You'll have to swallow a black chick who emerges from the creature's mouth, and after completing the procedure, you are now a full-fledged Aswang but I'll discuss more about it later. Another story that explains the origin of the Aswang was that it was allegedly the Spanish explorers who created the first written record of the monster. Why? Well, to keep the population under control, they say. They told stories about the creatures living on the outskirts of the forest to discourage Filipinos from leaving their town so they could keep their power. I've read some articles that say that in the World War II era, the creation of aswangs and other creatures was made as propaganda to scare away the enemy. Now I don't know about this one, but tell me what you think. Another theory states that because the beasts frequently take the form of dogs, the term aswang comes from the Filipino word asowang, which means dog. Additionally, Maximo Ramos hypothesized that the word aswang could be derived from possibly a shorter form of asuasuan or the likeness of dog. This theory is supported in part by Francis X. Lynch's paper An Manga Asuang, a Bicol belief, in which he writes The origin of the term is less clear, though it is probably derived from the word aso, meaning dog. Since the Bicol word for dog is not aso, but ayam, there is an indication that the term was borrowed or introduced from another region, a point which is outside the scope of the present descriptive paper. Two name origin theories, offered by informants living in widely separated towns, are worthy of mention here. A man of Magarao Kamarinisur tells us that the word as wang is derived from kaguwang, An animal of the fox type, which has as its food, fowls, and other smaller animals. Another informant from a barrio of Aroroi on the island of Masbate claims that Aswang is derived from Asho. This is a kind of animal whose physical structure resembles that of the bear, for it has a long and protruding mouth which is provided with sharp canine teeth to enable it to suck the blood of its prey. It is noteworthy that neither informant refers the term to the word aso, but both make reference to a carnivorous, long-snouted mammal. Side note though, if you've ever lived in the Philippines, you've undoubtedly heard the tales of an aswang morphing into a dog, particularly black dogs without a tail. This is unfortunate since it causes people to be terrified of regular black dogs, and the likelihood of them being hurt as a result of their fear is very high, so please, be careful and don't hit black dogs. Now, there are two kinds of aswang. The flying aswang, or aswang na and the walking aswang, aswang na The flying aswang is the most familiar to Filipinos. The manananggal is a nice example of this kind, a self-segmenter with the ability to split itself in half at the waist. The upper half takes to the air in search of prey while the lower half remains on the ground. What's a self-segmenter? The verb segment means to divide into distinct parts or sections, so meaning they can divide themselves and, in this case, detach from their top half and fly away. There's also another kind of self-segmenter where it splits at the knees, leaving only its legs behind and the remainder of its body flying around hunting for prey. They leave their lower half or legs concealed in a secret spot, usually in a banana grove because humans can't tell the difference between their bottom half and a banana stump in the night. Now while there are flying Aswangs that can split up to fly and hunt for the night, some flying Aswangs are exempt from this requirement. They can just lift their entire body into the air. They simply need to flap their arms, jump, and hop around and they will be able to fly into this starry night. They don't fly like birds though, but rather walk through the air at a fast pace, according to the book. One way for the aswang nalayog or flying swang to feed is that it'll find a sick or pregnant victim. It will perch itself in the victim's roof and lets out a long proboscis-like tongue once it's located a slit on the roof. When the tip of its tongue touches the victim's belly, it extends through the navel and directly towards the unborn child. It will use enzymes to digest the fetus and then suck it out, killing the mother in the process. Or the Flying Aswang would look for a lone traveler walking at night and swoop down between the legs of its prey and lift him into the air. They will drown the victim in a carabao mud hole before consuming him. And it appears that female Aswangs are primarily responsible for this, especially those who have been turned down by their lover. Now on to the walking Aswang. When the clock strikes 6, it is thought that the walking Aswang will decide where it will hunt for the night. Maybe that's why kids aren't permitted to hang out outside after 6pm. At least, that's how it was for me as a kid. By pressing their ears toward the rice mortar, The Walking Aswang can hear a sick person's moan from miles away. They could also do the same thing by going to a hole that I assume they dug and put their head inside to listen to mourners weeping over a dead relative. After narrowing down its victim's residence, the Walking Aswang would carefully place itself beneath the house, right underneath the ill person's bed. He'd attach himself to a slit in the floor or a house post like a hanging bird. It will let out its sharp and tubular tongue, penetrate the person's neck, and suck them dry, just like the flying Aswang. The walking Aswang can transform into a pig or dog if their feeding is disturbed, but if cornered, they are said to fight back. And female Aswang apparently has the strength of 10 able-bodied men. Supposedly, a fully satisfied Aswang looks like an 8-month pregnant woman. After feeding, they go back to their home and breastfeed their children. So you may be wondering, how can these creatures fly? Do they have wings or do they just have the natural ability to fly? Growing up, I've known only one way for an Aswang to fly, and it's with the use of oil. No one knows what the oil was, but I can confirm that it's not the oil you use when cooking. The book of Frank Lynch says that it's composed of ill-smelling chicken dung, coconut oil to dissolve it in, and decayed human flesh or blood. Now this ointment is kept in a bamboo container or a bottle. You mixed it in and voila, you have the magic ointment that could make an Aswang fly. Now I will read the process and transformation of the Aswang from the book of Frank Lynch called The Aswang Inquiry. Dipping her right hand into the foul-smelling oil, the aswang applies it in a line beginning from the tip of the little finger of her left hand, continuing down to the length of the arm, to the armpit, then down the left side, to the outer side of the left leg, ending out of the tip of the little toe. Then the left hand is dipped into the chicken dung mixture. The process is duplicated on the right side of the body, while doing this, the Eswang repeats to herself aloud the following magic words, Siri-siri, Dios kong banggi, labaw sa kakahoyan, lagpas sa kasirongan. Which translates to, there is no God at night, over the trees, under the houses. Another magic prayer is, Fuera Dios, Fuera Hulog. Keep of God, keep of crashes. It is a pact with evil spirits and a call for the power of the flight. When these words are uttered, an oily membrane is said to appear on both sides of the body. Their hair brittles, straighten, and stiffen. It was also mentioned that the hair was so stiff that you could cut cheese with it. Their eyes turn reddish and their teeth become razor sharp. Their fingernails grow long and pointed. They will then flap their wings while repeatedly saying, KAS 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 Which in bico means fast, so I guess that's an indication for them to fly faster, or sort of like, a boost of energy. Additionally, according to Rosa Madrideo of Baskaran Galbai, in Dr. Eden K. Nasaya's book, Bikul believes in Folkways, a Showcase of Tradition, the Aswang chants, siri-siri kang banggi, dai masabit, and pak while applying the magic oil or after they're done applying the magic oil. This incantation is recited out loud to keep their wings from becoming entangled during their night flight. There are many ways for a person to become an Eswang, so listen carefully if you wish to become one. According to Frank Lynch, there are four principal ways in which one may become an Eswang. First is by contamination, meaning you can get it from an Eswang through physical contact. The person could either be willing or unwilling. But I don't know why I'm more inclined to think that this happens to unwilling victims. One good example of this is when a person is sleeping and their mouths are open. The Aswang can spit in their mouth or their ear. Another example is when you drink or eat food that is mixed with an saliva or human flesh. Chances are you'll get infected and get turned into one of them. Apparently, The germ that the person ingested develops into a tiny monster of the size of a bird. And as soon as the bird is fully developed inside of you, you'll feel the urge to suck blood. After months of suffering from stomach pains and I guess the person is also trying to control their urges, they will then develop an appetite for raw chicken. And when they see one, they drool. Eventually, their needs to feast on human beings become stronger and whenever they see a pregnant woman, I assume they get excited. Because they say that a pregnant woman for an Aswang smells like a ripened jackfruit or fragrant pinipig, so it must be tasty for them. And I guess the Aswang that infected them will help them with their journey, because in the book it says that an Aswang instructs its pupil on how to fly they will guide them on how to hunt and such, even helping them find a sick pregnant victim. Uh, The newly turned Aswang can be seen at night in the backyard or under the house of a sick person, which makes me think that they're kind of practicing on how to hunt. type of Aswang, this newly turned Aswang, is not yet an expert in flying or escaping, so it was noted in the book that it is the best time to trap a new Aswang because it can't escape easily. The second and third ways in which one may become an Aswang in the book to me are connected. The second one is by heredity or inheriting it from the Aswang parent. The third one is by transfer, where the Aswang's power is passed over to a willing participant. Or recipient. So, why did I assume these two might be linked? An Aswang's power can be passed down to their children seven times for seven generations. However, just because you're from an Aswang family doesn't imply you'll get Aswang capabilities or abilities right away. This is when the mouth to mouth transfer method comes into play. It happens when an elderly Aswang is unable to die until the black chick they possess is given to another family member. This has been depicted in a number of Filipino films. If the father is an Aswang, he will pass on his powers to the mother or his wife. When the mother dies, it will be passed on to the oldest son or daughter, and so on. According to Dr. Edin K. Nasayong's book, the Aswang's potency comes from the Siwo Siwo, or cheek-shaped flesh held in its throat, and they must pass on their power to a family member in order for it to carry on. This information is solely included to highlight the contrast between the well-known description of the black chick and the Siwo Siwo in Bicol. According to legend, a black chick lives or resides in an Aswang's stomach. However, in my province's version, a chick shaped flesh is retained on the throat so take note of that difference so how does this passing of the black chick occur the receiver bends low over the dying aswang until their mouths are only one or two inches apart according to the book the black chick then leaps from the mouth of the dying aswang and into the mouth of the new host the weakened aswang leans back and dies pleased when she sees her successor swallow hard. But, as it turns out, not everyone is capable of wielding the power of the black chick. Because it looks like the black chick must be satisfied with the host before settling down permanently. Or else the host will die. So Ethan, does an Aswang have to die first before they could pass on their power? Well, technically no. Even when the Aswang is in good health, If they wish to transfer their power to another, the same procedure might be followed. The veteran aswang and the new host or volunteer's tongues cross or overlap. The chick hops across the bridge and into the new aswang's stomach. And lastly, the fourth method, the do-it-yourself for volunteers only. If you want to be an aswang but weren't born into one or don't even know any aswang who can transform you, You can simply do it yourself. When I initially read it, I thought it was hilarious, but hey, there are two ways you can accomplish this on your own. Number 1. A fertilized egg must be held steady against one's stomach. Then a towel or cloth wrapped around the body is used to secure it. The egg will then pass through its shell and the walls of the person's stomach after some time. The person will be able to cry kakak or kikik around this period. Place the eggshell in the bamboo or container with the coconut, oil, and chicken mixture. And you can use this mixture to help you fly in the night to hunt for your prey, like what I've mentioned earlier. The second method is to go to the cemetery on Good Friday with two fertilized eggs. One must look at the moon without blinking while standing erect. However, there was no mention of how long you should do this. Mumble the prayer three times after placing an egg under each armpit? Regrettably, the prayer was not mentioned in the books. Now when the eggs vanish, it's considered the person has turned into an aswang. Wings develop from the aswang's armpit at night, so I guess the magic oil isn't required in this situation. Every aswang must perform this once a year to maintain their power. that concludes the first parts of this two-part series. I hope you enjoyed listening and learned something new. Part 2 will be released early for Patreons as usual and admittedly, this is still not a fully detailed episode about the Aswang. I'm sure and I'm pretty sure I still missed a lot of good information but I still enjoyed making this. Maybe in the future I can do an update about the Aswang. Anyway, before anything else, I'd want to express my gratitude to Aswang Project for supporting this episode. Uh, Visit their website at www.aswangproject.com for more information. To learn more about Philippine stories and to purchase their most recent book, Ferdinand Blumentritt's Diccionario Mythologico. These episode sources can be found on the podcast's Facebook page, which has the same name as the podcast. You may also follow TabiTabiPod on Instagram for updates. Just search for TabiTabiPod. And if you want to become a multo or tao patron to support the podcast and me, head over to patreon.com slash tabitabipod to get early access and bonus episodes. I've already produced five exclusive content that you'll find only on Patreon. The latest is about the Bahay na Pula, and you can listen to it there for $5 under the Tao tier. So yeah, I hope you enjoyed listening. This was really fun to make. Thanks for listening to Tabi Tabi Pod with me, Ethan. Join me next time for Part 2 to discuss more about the Aswang. Bye!